Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimonials of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. I want to personally invite you to be part of our next workshop coming up March 4th through the 6th in Colorado. So call us today at 1-800-497-8748 or visit gatewaymen.com. Welcome to Pure Sex Radio, training men, educating women. Are you ready to get real and start living each day in purity? This dynamic program is designed to educate, encourage, and equip listeners with the tools necessary for living a life of sexual purity. Pure Sex Radio brings you the best in mobile talk radio. Listen to real life struggles, learn how to overcome lust, pornography, and sex addiction, and get serious about purity. Your hosts for Pure Sex Radio are Jonathan Doherty and Stephen Cervantes. Jonathan is the director of Be Broken Ministries and founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop for Men. Stephen is the founder of the Hope Counseling Center. Visit us online at puresexradio.com. And now, please welcome Jonathan and Stephen on Pure Sex Radio. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're so glad to have you with us. Um, my name is Jonathan. I'm here with Stephen. Stephen, how are you today? I am uh, glad to be here, excited. It's a new year, and I'm looking forward to great things. Awesome. Well, that is wonderful. And folks, we hope that you are uh, doing well in the new year. And, you know, our ministry is here to help. If you are struggling with pornography, you are struggling with some kind of sexual brokenness in your relationships, or just really uh, struggling with your thought life, whatever way that sexual brokenness and struggles are affecting you, we are here to help in this process of healing and growth and eventually serving others. So please reach out to us if you are needing help. You can contact us through our website at puresexradio.com or you can call us toll free at 1-800-49-PURITY. Well, Stephen, uh, this is probably going to be a broadcast that is helpful for our our female listeners out there. But guys, don't tune us out because uh, you might learn some things too and, and gain some insight on on what it's going to take to have uh, real change going on in your life and not just uh, continuing a, a pretense or a, a, an image. And so why don't you 
tell us where we're going to go in this broadcast, Stephen. Yes, I thought we'd cover two two things, two different aspects of maybe the same topic. But I'd like to say first that this program is for educational purposes. And if you find yourself in distress, please see a counselor, a mentor, a pastor, a minister. So with that, a little bit of a disclaimer, we're going to talk about what Jonathan and I know about addictions, and then we're going to talk about what wives should look for in terms of a husband making changes. So I just thought, let's just help the listeners know the few things that you've picked up and I've picked up along the way in terms of addiction. Do you have anything to start with? Uh, Well, one of the things I know from uh, personal experience and then also from just dealing with a lot of other guys that get tangled up in in addiction is that along the way, in order to remain on course, so to speak, with an addiction, you have to become a master deceiver. You got to be a great liar. Yes. You got to be able to cover up really well. Um, And so you become really good at creating this facade, this image that you project and portray to others. So you've, and, and by the way, you can even modify that image. So in other words, you tell us, you tell certain kinds of lies to your wife. You tell other kinds of lies to your coworkers and your boss. You tell other lies at church. And so you've got all these different images that you are projecting all with the hope that you can keep your secret so that nobody can ever actually find out that you're completely out of control. So I think deception is a huge... That is big. I worked with uh, alcoholics for a year in a treatment center, and it was amazing. They'd come in cured every week, and then they'd slip during the week, and they'd come back in with a new promise and a new Mm -hmm. commitment, and they messed up. And it's so difficult. Any addiction that you've woven into your being is so difficult to to end. And so I think that's a good way to put it. We don't want to have it, so we lie about it. Create an image like we don't have it. And, and you know, you get really good at hiding any addiction so nobody can see it. And so, you know, deception is number one. And then I think the other thing I've learned about addictions is lots of times there's relapse. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see that. We do intensive weekend training uh, sessions for men. And some men, after spending three days working hard and gaining insight, they'll use. As soon as they come out, they'll go do something sexual. Um, So a small percentage will just fall right away. And then a larger percentage will do really good for a while, and some of those guys will stumble and then, you know, you get to a point where you sort of believe, well, I'm strong enough now and not just use alcohol. So, you know, if I had an alcohol problem, well, I haven't had drank in, in six months, so now I can have a drink. See, I'm cured, right? Except that begins the whole process all over again. And and so there's some some sort of self-deception in the thought process where an addict will, will say things to themselves like, I'm cured, but it's like once you have a weakness of addiction, you always have that same weakness. It just, I mean, if you're going to break down somewhere, it's probably going to be there. You're not going to suddenly be addicted to smoking when you haven't smoked all your life. Exactly, yeah. And I do think another part of addiction that is important to see here because I can even just sense in the audience already that there's, that there's people that are feeling this great weight and they're going, yeah, that's me. And then their shame is kicking in. Mm. 
you know, and I do think that one of the other things that's really true about addiction in general is that it's when when good desires become ultimate desires. Because, see, I do believe that, okay, take sexual addiction, for instance. Um, sexual desire is good. But where sexual addiction comes in is when that good desire becomes a person's ultimate desire, mm-hmm. meaning everything begins to rotate around it. Their identity is formed around that desire, their their worth, their sense of being. It's it's all focused on what what is a good desire, but it becomes becomes the ultimate thing, almost like an idol. Take take uh, even alcohol, for instance. You know what? Um, there's nothing inherently wrong with wine. There's nothing inherently wrong with alcoholic beverages, but when we take a good desire, maybe to have fellowship, you know, hey, we we get together with some buddies and we have a drink and there's fellowship there. But when we take that good desire, we make it our ultimate desire. Then it Mm. becomes about that thing and our identity becomes formed around it. And so just understand that if you are struggling with any kind of addictive pattern, underneath all those layers, there is actually a legitimate good desire. But it's gotten twisted and morphed and distorted into something that is now not good for you. That's good. So I wanted to make sure that what I said earlier, I, I, I'd communicated. I read this study once about alcoholics, and it said, and we're borrowing from the addictions, okay, because there's a lot of similarities among addictions. But it was like, I think I got these numbers right, but but got people that go into you know long term treatment come out, and twenty percent of them will use on their way home. They'll go get a drink on the way home. Forty percent of them will will be good for a while, and then they'll go back and relapse. And then like forty percent don't drink anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I say those numbers to give people a sense that it's really difficult. It is, yeah. And 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 recovery and relapse, you know, is part of recovery. And so if you fall down, you get back up and you learn again and you get stronger. And breaking away from something that you've woven yourself into addiction is very difficult. And so it does taking a cleaning up, coming back, you know, growing a new mindset process. And it's not easy. So, but there is hope and we see lots of guys doing better and getting stronger and on the right path. So we want to be encouraging, but but those are a few thoughts about addictions. And I would say too, before we sort of switch gears here and say, okay, how can you know if, if real change is occurring? That from the very outset, you understand, yes, recovery is difficult. Breaking free from such a, a, a pattern that has become kind of what we've we've formed our identity around is not something that you just snap your fingers and it goes away. And so it's really important for both the person in recovery and the and for the people that uh, love this person or are in relationship with this person to understand that recovery is a process that it is a it is something that happens gradually over time and too many times I think what people are looking for is they are looking for a change on the order of the physical healings that Jesus performed in people's lives like a blind man seeing or a lame man walking. And they're looking at recovery as saying, well, it should be like that, right? I mean, if Christ's power to heal is there, then you should go today from being a guy who is completely addicted to pornography to tomorrow being a man who has no desire whatsoever to look at pornography. And I'm here to tell you that while those kinds of miracles are not outside the realm of God's power, the, the, 
the more normal, I should say, uh, even in the supernatural, the more normal process that happens in recovery from an addiction is over a period of time. It's a process because it's yeah. more like peeling off layers rather than just making a blind man see. That's good. So wives will come to us and say, uh, what should I look for? Um, how will I know if he's getting better? Um, I, I haven't trusted. I used to trust myself. Women say really sad things. Mm-hmm. I used to trust myself, and now I can't trust myself. You know, I thought it was strong and taking care of things, but no, I wasn't strong and taking care of things. So, so there's a whole other topic about women turning on themselves that we should have a discussion. But, but this is about women that say, uh, "How will I know? What should I look for? What are the signs? How will I know if the change is occurring?" Because educate me. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. So, number one on my list is to own the issue. Does he own the issue? Is he saying he has a problem? Can he take ownership or is he still blaming and and explaining and having all these side dialogues? Or does he say there's a problem and does he own the problem? Yeah, because, uh, and again, remember this is a process. And so uh, a lot of times guys will just, it's it's there's a struggle to truly let go of what they have been clinging to. And so a lot of times there's a there's a true desire in them to want to change, but they're so familiar with their lifestyle of self-centeredness and 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 lust that it's very difficult to let that go. So sometimes you might hear things like, Well, you know what, man, I, I yes, I did those things, but you know, if you'd only done such and such and they right. add they they add these, you know, additional things on well if this and and what about you know if pornography wasn't so available or you know what if we didn't have that and if if you would have been more available sexually and all of that is saying he hasn't yet fully put his arms around it completely and said i'm taking full ownership of the things that i've i've done that's good the other part of that idea of ownership that i would say there's there's one aspect of saying owning what he has done then there's also owning where he's going Um, in other words it's one thing to be take responsibility for the damage he has caused through his selfishness and deception and lies and all of that. It's another thing to also then take ownership for his recovery. And because there's a lot of guys, Stephen, you would you would agree with this. There's a lot of guys that step into recovery and say, yes, I, I did all those things. I mean, there's no way I can ignore it. They did happen. But here, Stephen, you're the counselor. I'm going to hand it off. I'm going to hand my recovery off to you. You fix me. And how well does that work for yeah. a guy? No. Yeah. I mean. No, I'm not that good. <laughs> and it's not your responsibility anyway. Right. I mean, you can help and you can give advice and you can give insight. But at the end of the day, he has to take the same kind of responsibility for the steps of recovery as he did for owning up to where he failed and where he he lied and deceived. So number two then would be language. Listen for different language. If the language is all the same, how did anything change? So is he bringing home new ideas, new thoughts? Do you hear language about growth and openness and learning? Is he saying anything new? Is he even awkward when he talks? Because to make the change, you might have to slow, you may have to hesitate. You have to use different language or no change is occurring. And some of that language might look like saying things like, I was wrong. Uh, 
saying things along the lines of, um, I, I offended you. I, I did wrong against you. Will you forgive me? Words like forgive, wrong, yeah. um, sorry. And I put you through that, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, and so the other thing I would say about language, and maybe this is going to come up a little bit later, but I would also say along with language is the tone to the language. If a guy's saying the right words, but his tone is still sort of sharp, uh, short, edgy, angry, then I'm, I'm thinking, well, there, there's always an attitude behind the, the, the language. And so that's, that's sort of a deeper level kind of discovery and thing to look for. But um, because sometimes, remember, men, addicts are, are master deceivers, right? Right. So if he starts trying to think mechanically and go, okay, I need to, sh- I, if my wife needs to hear these words, but he's saying those words in the same tone that he used to deceive you with, then women don't be so quick to immediately distrust your intuition. When you're getting that sense that, you know what, I'm, I'm hearing the right words, but something beneath them doesn't feel right, then he might not yet have the right attitude behind the language. And one line that I hear all the time that husbands tell wives, well, that's the past. Well, don't look back. Mm -hmm. Why are you being negative? And she's trying to work through and make sense. Don't look back. Don't drag us down. And I always thought that's sort of small for a guy to not let a wife work herself through some issues going, this doesn't make sense. At least can we talk about it until it makes sense? Well, and honestly, that's, uh, that's getting him off track, too. Because if he keeps saying, don't look back, don't look back, it's all forward, I'm thinking, well, where did all this mess occur? It didn't occur tomorrow. Or today in, the, <laughs> in this moment, right? So you had also better look back if you want to start making changes for the all the missteps that you had. You can't say, don't look back, don't look back, because your history, sir, if I can be so bold, has proven that you weren't walking in the right direction. So, mm. so until you actually look back and say, let me actually learn more about my missteps, you're not going to be able to move forward with the right steps. That's good. Number three is this whole idea of having a me philosophy. And and I've heard you say at conferences, looking through the eyes of another person, like your spouse. How do you get out of the me philosophy? Because... Uh, they're like self-absorbed. Individuals with addictions are self-absorbed, and everything revolves around um, how do I get through this so I can go do what I want to do, and and how do I do the least amount? And uh, you know, they're always planning something else. They're always caught up in themselves. They're always thinking about what would please them, or how they can get away, or how they can spend the money. There's such a me philosophy. And this, I will, I will tell you, this is a struggle because what I see happen too often, well, I shouldn't say too often, but I do see it happen sometimes, is then guys in their fervor and in their passion to truly change will swing this pendulum so far to the other side that it's almost as if they are in a mindset of punishing themselves for the rest of their lives. It's not about me. And so therefore, they almost strip themselves out of the equation of their relationships as if they don't have any healthy desires within themselves whatsoever, or that there is no such thing as healthy self-care. And this is why this is a difficult thing 
to adjust and to recover is because you've got to learn how to go away from this unhealthy self-focus. In other words, where you're placing yourself on this throne and saying, life should revolve around me and therefore it is about me, to a place where you can say, there is a healthy sense of self-care in terms of taking care of my body and my mind and my spirit, but it is not about me. And that's a, that's a difficult balance sometimes when you've been living your life where it is about you. Yes. And so you've got to be really gracious and patient with yourself in this process. But one of the things that I think you can see that, that starts showing a real change is when you start placing the order differently in your life. Rather than saying, I've always been number one, I've got to come first, you start saying, you know what, I'm going to start considering others' needs more important than my own. I'm going to start looking to help my children and to put my wife first and to put these other people first and actually start to serve people out of a genuine gratitude for having the opportunity to serve. Then I think you start seeing real transformation take place because Mm. you're not sitting on the throne of your life as if you are the center of it all. Right. So number four would be go slow and go deep. Or go slow so you can go deep. But don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a rush. Don't think you're going to fix this thing. If you've been doing this behavior for 15, 20 years, you're not going to clean it up in a week or two weeks or a month. So slow down, press in. You know, this is a bit of a journey here. So just go slow. Now, Stephen, I think we really need to help our listeners with this one because I can I can feel <laughs> the anxiety in in the listeners. And this is both in the women and the men. Because what happens mm. when the spit hits the fan? I mean, what happens when all of this gets uncovered, the lid gets blown off, and the truth is revealed? And what happens on both sides, the 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 man and the woman? They both get in hyper mode, right? A woman wants things happening right now, immediately. And many right. times a guy does too. And so we need a and little... And he'll play off her, right? Mm-hmm. She's in a hurry, so he's in a hurry. Yeah. But wait a minute here. So we need a little more help with understanding how do you go slow? Because everything in my being wants to go fast. Wants to He wants to fix it fast. She wants it to be resolved fast. Oh, gosh. And so this idea of slowing down, what may sound good, I think in reality it's an incredibly difficult thing to do. So I have to explain how to do it, you know. Or at least so give... can I just tell them what to do? Hey, go slow. Okay, we're done. <laughs> we're wrapping up the show now, folks. Thanks. Go slow. Okay. All right. No, 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 no. We might need a few more tips. Oh, there you go. But I just think the whole strategy of not being in a hurry, because what's an addict been in a hurry to do? Hide, deceive, Lie. Everything fast is wrong. So just catching your breath and breathing, counting to three, saying, wait, don't rush. Let her talk. Let her finish. Let her get to the end. Let her explore. Be patient. Don't jump out. I want to jump out of my skin. Fine. I'm not going to die. Slow down. And I think one thing that can help sometimes we see couples, we help, help try to help them see that you need breaks. Because sometimes it becomes this this... When the truth comes out, it becomes this continuous uh, conversation, really continuous argument. And so there's no breaks. Sometimes you need to be able to hit the pause button. Um, I know sometimes that means you hit the pause button and you kind of, if I can put it this way, you kind of go to your corners for a little while. Sometimes you hit the pause button because you need to do something together that is not going to be clouded by 
this issue. And I'm not saying that you you fake it like as if the issue isn't real, but you gotta have breathers. Right. Otherwise, you're gonna suffocate each other, um, and and you're gonna you're not gonna be able to have clarity of thought. Um, so this is where I think you need to take those breaks for personal rest, but mm-hmm. also rest for the relationship. Um, and rest also maybe get some things done. I've seen it where people, it's like everything else in their lives just just starts going to pot because they, they've so overly focused now on we're going to fix this that now there's no care for the kids. There's not, bills aren't getting paid, you know, just, mm. just a normal everyday life. So slow down and 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 be willing to see that this is a process. And by the way, I would say this is true. No matter what ultimately happens with the relationship, you need to slow down. Because I That's would true. Because I would say, listen, even if there is a decision to say we are separating, we are not going to be married any longer, we're not going to be in a relationship any longer. Guess what? If you go fast, even after that, you're still bad. Things are going to happen. Right. And it's interesting as we say to go slow. We're talking about slow your body down, mm-hmm. slow your thoughts down, slow your breathing down. Slow your responses down so that you can think more and you can answer better. So that's good. Number five, have a growth mentality. I mean, this is a journey called life, right? And and growing is like gleaning the richness of what there is around you. Learning about self, about other, about God, um, so that we're growing emotionally, we're taking care of our body physically, we're growing spiritually. I mean, we're growing from babies to adults to seniors. We're all on this mission. And some people, it's like their greatest mission is recreation. They just want to play all the time. They just want to be entertained. Entertain me all the time. No, you got to stop and turn off the entertainment and work on growth, spiritual, emotional, relationship growth. And I would say that this idea of of growth, it does require a, a pursuit. You know, you have to take, and this is, if you're wanting to look for, okay, what's some things that can show change? Um, I would say this is something where a an addict must show that they are taking the initiative to grow. Stephen, one of the things that I think is true about us as human beings is you cannot, you cannot force maturity onto another person. Right. I, as much as if if I if I tried with all my might to help you increase your level of wisdom and maturity oh, and gosh. I couldn't do it, right? Right. That is something that must be a desire that you cultivate within yourself. In other words, that you say, if I'm going to grow, I have to take the initiative to seek out insight and growth and pursue that. I can't expect that my wife, that she can carry that load and and just sort of infuse it into me. Maturity is a personal mission. Yes, and so you have to read and listen to podcasts and be around mentors and right put yourself in classes and work on growth. And then the final thing I would say is to recognize that we're on a purity journey. Uh, that our sexuality as men became a very powerful tool to feel alive, uh, to be connected, uh, everything, relationships, everything from a male standpoint growing up, you can roll your sexuality into everything. Mm-hmm. 
And so it, it, um, it becomes the way you connect and the way you feel life and the way you live life. It's through your sexuality. But, but really, there's no freedom in that. There's only chaos in that. And so we have to recover what we we're supposed to have, which is a, an integrity walk, a purity walk, an innocence walk. How would you sort of and, well, and say I think it? of if you think of it like a journey, I'm thinking of you know you going on a long journey, and while it sort of breaks down in the physical a little bit because our our quest is not necessarily for a static destination, but for, it is for this ongoing maturity and this growth, right? But if you think of those as peaks of mountains, and so you're going from mountaintop to mountaintop in the sense of increasing maturity. And as you as you make it to each of these mountaintops, there's a new sort of a new part of the journey, a new leg of the journey that is coming up. If you think of it in those terms, let's say when you're in the valley, you um, you know you stumble and you fall. Does that mean okay? Well, the journey's over. No, you haven't. No. You're still pursuing something, right? right? I look at it this way: if you can look at mistakes, whether they are willful or accidental, as opportunities to learn, that's good. Then you will know you are on a growth mission. But if you look at mistakes, whether willful or accidental, as being the destination in itself, and therefore you failed, and it's and the journey is over, you don't have a journey mentality. And and this is for both men and women who are listening out there. Whether you are the one who is in recovery or you are the one who has been betrayed, this is true of both. That if you've got a journey mentality, you need to look at mistakes as opportunities to grow. That's good. Well, folks, we are glad you've been with us. If you are needing help along your journey, please contact us. And we look forward to having you back here again next week on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.